Welcome to the Out of Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OutofLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we have a great featured guest. She's a psychic medium, and she'll offer a lot of insight on evolution and how to really kind of strengthen your spirit. Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Tammy Demirza. She is a professional intuitive, and she's also an author several books. You can learn more about Ms. Demirza by going to her website at Tammy, T-A-M-M-Y, Demirza, D-E-M-I-R-Z-A.com. Ms. Demirza, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for inviting me. It's good to sit with you for a few moments. Well, you will soon regret that once we are past the first <laughs> question. Like most of our guests, we say, do not keep a knife handy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Hopefully it's a more positive experience. So uh, one of the first questions we, we have for you is on your site. It says, do you know that you are a holy trinity? You are a spirit, mind, emotion, and body. Can you please explain that. Okay. So I got the visual one day of what alignment really looks like for people. We are the holy trinity, and I know that people who go to church believe in the holy trinity of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One day it was explained to me by masters and teachers that I communicate with that we are a holy trinity in ourselves and that we are spirit, which is always connected, which is the larger part of ourselves, which the human body cannot even completely inhabit, that which never dies, that knows all things, that knows it's not separated from anything, where love abides. And then there is the mind or the emotional level which some people call the ego or the lower mind. And that's where the thinking process is and the emotions get stuck or the belief systems get indoctrinated and, you know, adhered to. And then the physical is a totally separate entity in that the physical world is really here to assist us in knowing the symptoms or the signs of what we are doing on an unconscious or subconscious level in the emotional or thinking level. And when that is in alignment, all three of those in alignment, miracles occur, all kinds of things come forward for people, and that which you think automatically happens. We are consciously and unconsciously creating at all times as spirit beings, We are tapped in and tuned in, and we are plugged in, and we cannot unplug from it. And so when we're out of alignment, things are hard or difficult, or there's reciprocal patterns. And so did that answer the question? It did answer the question, what are you saying, alignment. So is it alignment where it's sense that everything, you, you just feel really comfortable? Because I think that a lot of people, they try to go for comfort. They say, okay, I want to be comfort. And can you mistake in comfort and a lack of resistance or a lack of pushing against the grain as alignment? I would say that alignment feels like you are coasting in an inner tube going down the river instead of trying to swim upstream. When you're uncomfortable, when you're not feeling at ease, when things are not going well, when the questions aren't being answered, when you're hitting walls, then you're out of alignment. Well, how would you define that? How would you define that? Is saying you, you feel like you're going up against a wall? Because, I mean, is there, 
how do you know what the difference between hitting a wall and actual resistance towards pushing against the grain and, and doing something challenging? That is beautiful. There is only two different kinds of energy, really. There is fear energy, and when you look at fear energy, you're stuck. You're not really moving forward. It looks like you're able to walk or to step out or to do things or to accomplish things, but nothing ever really gets accomplished. Fear energy is ambiguous. It is not clear. There's no defining you know, information that really helps you. It's on the periphery of what the issue is. And then there's the contrast of that, which that to me is swimming upstream. When there is fear energy or there's something within you that is on an unconscious or subconscious level, Ryan, that you don't even know you have or believe, but the pattern is there and it's distinct. That's fear energy. When you move into love energy, then it is light, easy, airy, fun, stimulating, very clear, very concise, very easy to do. Things move fast. I mean, it's amazing. There's peace. There's love. And the beautiful thing about it is that when you are in love energy, everyone simultaneously is getting blessed in a very intrinsic and individual way. Whereas when you're in fear energy, People are being hurt because what is not the highest good or the best for you is not the highest good or the best for anyone else. Okay. But the highest good in terms of fear, what if you are in this lifetime specifically for the purpose of experiencing fear? Because I can't imagine that if we're all incarnating multiple different lifetimes, that all of them are going to be peaceful and happy. What if we specifically came in for fear? And by choosing to not go into fear... And by avoiding it at all costs, could you be hampering your overall evolution and actually putting a dent in it and making it worse by not going through what you came here to go through? Well, the truth is that each of us came here to experience the extreme dichotomies, didn't we? We came in to get rained on. We came in to feel sickness and the, the contrast and the dichotomy of wellness. We came in because we believe that we are separate and we pretend that we are. So all of us experience life school curriculums, as I call it, spiritual curriculums, where we come in to overcome specific things. There's not a soul on this planet that that has come in that has not experienced these dichotomies. It is on purpose. But what in the lifetime, the wiser question is, what in the lifetime has occurred repetitiously so that you can overcome it. I will tell you that I have not found a client yet. I have not found an individual yet that has not experienced some of the most extreme circumstances and traumas and dramas and issues that has not come in with the equipment to overcome it as well. So the reason that we are here is to experience these dichotomies, these contrasts, these pains, these issues, because to the degree of sick that you are is to the degree of wellness that you want. To the degree of poverty that you are in is to the degree that your prayer, the heart, the desire, the need to overcome it is in you as well. So we do come here to experience this, and no one is really going to escape it. But here's the kicker, Ryan. The thing is that the spiritual journey is very it's like going up the peak of a mountain and you feel great and then you fall down the mountain and you're in the pit. 
that is the way this life is. The more that we overcome, the less the peaks and the valleys are and the more balanced and peaceful and harmonious it becomes. We have, none of us have really overcome it or we would not be incarnating in these lifetimes. And I will tell you that even though some people want to call me master, I tell them no. I'm not a master yet. You can't call me that because I am still still here in this realm as a physical being experiencing the school curriculum so that I can overcome it. Now, looking at your background, it says that you are a trans mediumship. You said you're a physical mediumship, trans mediumship. Can you just explain what that means and talk about how you came to your gifts and what 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 are your your abilities okay so at the age of 11 i was sitting in my grandmother's house and my she brought a southern baptist pastor over and he asked the question about whether or not we knew god i i knew that i didn't know, know that word we did not go to church when i was little and he said god loves you and that was the second word that i knew that i was i knew i was not loved I knew it intuitively in that moment. I was not communicating with non-physical beings or gods or angels or however you want to phrase it until that day, at least to my remembrance. And then he asked me about heaven and hell, and I did not like or resonate with what he was saying, but I was paying attention to God and love. And he said, Jesus loves you, and if you'll invite him in your heart, then he will love you. And I said, well, I need love, so let me invite Jesus in. I immediately was changed. Even the way that I looked at colors, music that I liked or disliked, food, everything was different instantaneously for me. And the first memory that I have, Ryan, is of hearing these voices and getting this wisdom and getting explained things and then learning how to telepathically communicate with my mother to get what I needed because my mother had, she was of that generation where you spoil the child if you do not beat them. And so I was afraid of her. And so God taught me how to talk to the back of her head in the car one day to telepathically ask her to change the music and she changed it immediately. And so it developed from that age. And then I found out that I was a trans medium, a medium, and I have been told that I am all levels of mediumship and abilities in one body. And this is a compilation of a lot of lifetimes coming in. And a trans medium is somebody that I'm going to be honest with you, Ryan, when I look this up, I, I really said, God, I don't want this. I really don't want this because um, it has to do with people who can actually become shapeshifters or look like a different physical being or there, there was the plasma thing that was involved that was coming out of this woman's shoulders in the early 1900s. Oh, so you, you see that – so that's what a trans thing is? Is that what you're, you're shapeshifting? Uh, you can, and I will look differently sometimes in sessions. I have, I have looked like a really young girl. I've looked like somebody's grandmother. I've looked like somebody's sister. I've looked like – an old woman that's very wise. I don't see myself doing this very much anymore. I can tell now when it occurs. And when it does occur, it is for a specific purpose to reach the individual in a way that they cannot deny. Because it's easy, Ryan, as you know, to hear people talk. But when you see something and you hear it, 
then it's another level of awareness. All right, uh, Mr. Mirzer, I have to tell you, I, I, I think I know our audience pretty well at this point. I think there's two questions they probably want to know. The first question is, have you ever utilized this gift in order to get into a club by, you know, trans- shifting into making yourself look like a celebrity? So you, you, you get to the front of the line, and they're like, oh, my God, it's Britney Spears, and boom, you get right in. <laughs> have you ever used this ability in order to get into a movie by shifting your age, by saying, look, I'm not uh, this age. I happen to be a kid. Absolutely because that's not. what they're probably thinking about, and that's what I would like, and I, that's what I would use your, your gift for. I would not use it to, to reach people. I would utilize it to to do all these things first, and then after being exhausted from messing around, then I'd probably help a few people. But after I help all the animals. So. You're funny. Maybe this is why you're not a trans medium, Ryan. I don't know. Um. I would love to be a trans medium. <laughs> I would love to. I would love to be. I, I think it'd be kind of fun. I mean, I, I try to shift around and uh, change my appearance, but I don't know. They're still going to look at me and say, "Listen, that person still has two chins, no matter what shape he's in." <laughs> um, I will tell you that most everything that happens to me is very spontaneous, just like the remote viewing. I don't know that it's going to occur. I have become familiar with transmediumship and when it occurs because I can feel the molecules in my body changing, but I do not do it on demand or on command. I don't do anything that way. I just stay in the flow of whatever spirit knows the individual that I'm reading for needs in that moment. The same thing goes for all of my sessions. None of them are the same, even for the same person. I'm only going as far as the person needs. The way that source and spirit and God looks at all of you is much more magnificent and amazing and loving than anything you could possibly measure. And to that degree, knowing you, knowing the very hairs of your head that are numbered, knowing what your thoughts were as you were driving over to my house or right before you had a session is extraordinary. And so I spontaneously allow, I get out of the head, I get out of the way, and I get into love and heart energy. And I ask people, I did this with you right before I got on this interview, how can we be of service to all of you that are going to be drawn to hearing this session with me? Well, how can we be of service? What do you need to hear? What do you need to know? I don't have an agenda, nor do I use it in an unethical way by reading people in my personal life either, even though I could. I do not do that because I think it's disrespectful. So trying to get into a club or using it the way you're talking about would be unethical for me personally. Even to have a little fun. I mean, look at this way. You're doing a lot of good. I mean, you're helping a lot of people out. You're bringing peace and comfort. I mean, it's, I don't know. I I look at it this way. If you happen to be an attractive male or you happen to be an attractive female and you got it, use it. Why not? You're doing a majority of good work. Come on. I mean, there's going to be some perks to doing it. Well, let me tell you something that is very interesting that you may or may not be aware of is that when you're in front of someone that has done a certain level of spiritual work, then their light is so bright, things automatically occur for them anyway. Miracles start happening. People start doing things. So I don't need the shape-shifting, Ryan, okay. for people to notice me or see me. I, say, I'm I just be me. 
You just be you. I'm the master corrupter. <laughs> I, I tend to I tend to corrupt people. And I, 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 <laughs> You're corrupting me. I I, I well I I'm hoping I put a good idea. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, <laughs> have you ever sat down and read for someone, and you just look at them and you can sense that they've done some horrible things and they just have a really dark energy. And I know you're reflecting God. I know you're, you're pushing that out there, but has it ever chilled you out or creeped you out? And what was your experience been because of that? I'm going to tell you something that is going to be interesting and then I'll give you an example. And this is actually written about in my book, The Unmade and the Medium. I, I have only had twice that I, or three times actually, that I did not want to do a reading for people. And two of the people booked on the phone, and then I canceled and said, I can't do this for you. It wasn't because there was judgment. It was because I was feeling the resistance and the crossed arms and not the unwillingness to actually want me. They were coming to me because one of their teachers or mentors or or somebody that is in their family that had been to me was requiring them to come. And I read that energy. And so if, if someone is not ready, but I will tell you an example of someone who was very, very aggressive and abrasive and in my face and confrontational. And that was, she's written about in the book. I call her Melissa in the book. That is not her real name, but she asked me to change her name because of what we read in the book, although she approved the story. She was about to come into my house, and I'm on the phone with my best friend, and I said, I do not want this woman coming in my home I don't want that energy and she said that's odd I've never heard you say this before and I said I know so let me go I need to pray it's 10 minutes before she arrives and I asked what do I do with this woman what do I do with this energy because I can feel the aggression walking into my home and I don't want her in here and I heard tell the ego to stay in the car that it cannot sit out on your driveway so lo and behold I said out loud to her, Melissa, you cannot bring your energy into my space. I'm the caretaker of my home and my space. And I don't want that aggression or that, you know, abrasiveness walking in my space. And so sure enough, when I opened the door, she was very demure. She had her head tilted down a little bit, looking at me as if she was being very shy. And she said, hey. And I was like, wow, you're not the same person that I just was on the dock with. And she said, well, I'm excited about you doing this reading for me. We sat down, and the very first thing that came forward was talk to her about her aggression. Talk to her about her anger. Talk to her about why she tries to control people. And I was like, oh, God, no, please, no, don't make me say that. Please don't. And I and I hear, Tammy, will you get out of the way? We wish to help her. Because I don't. As a human being, as a human personality, I don't really like being the messenger sometimes. This is in the phase that I was rebelling against being the messenger sometimes, but now it's, it's part launch. It's, it's everything, anything source wants to say through me. I allow it. I have matured in that way. But at that point, I was still like, don't make me tell them this, but I never ever have felt judgment towards anyone. Ever. I, it's not wow. in me. Good for you. Look at them with compassion. And I explain, like her, let me tell you where this started. You were raped at the age of 14. Your rapist is standing in front of you. He raped you three times. Let me give you the details. It wasn't, it wasn't every week. It was 
weeks apart, I gave her the exact details of what he looked like, what his hair looked like. He was standing in front of me and was talking to me, and she needed healing. And so what I've learned, Ryan, and this is an extraordinary thing, that pain causes, and I've learned this even with myself, you do uncharacteristic things when you're in pain. When you don't know why certain things happen to you and you feel like a victim and, and you don't understand why you behave the way you do or why you're an addict or why you get abusive relationships or whatever or your codependence or any of those things, what I have learned even with myself is when I acted out and I did things that were awful, you know, I had an affair in a big, big mega church. When I had that affair, I became the scarlet woman for years. But I learned that because I was in so much pain, we act out, we do things that even are uncharacteristic of even our morals. But because we're in pain, we do things, we don't even know why we're doing it. My job, what it is that I do, is to help the person know, let me tell you why, in her case, in Melissa's case, why you're abrasive, why you're angry, why you're bossy, why you're these things. It started when you were 14. Let me tell you what that's done to you, how it has hurt every single relationship that you have ever had, why you're not married right now, why your husband died 13 years ago, and you have had three dates since then. I mean, Ryan, these kind of details that help the individual to understand why they're caught in the traps they are and why they're in these patterns and why these good things aren't happening in their lives sets them free. When they know, even though they may be, uh, you know, shy in front of me, they're not anymore because there's such love coming from me and such gentleness and explaining, this is why you're like this. We find no judgment in you. We have no problem with you, but let us help you understand why you're doing it. And then you can choose. And then you can, you can be different and you can heal. She forgave the rapist. And when she did, she walked out a different person. And so that is an explanation of, I don't look at anyone with the viewpoint of, you're wrong, you're bad, you deserve judgment, you deserve punishment. I look at everybody like, what is behind this behavior? Because the behavior is strikingly different from what the spirit and the soul and the heart of the person is. And my job, the reason I call myself an intercessor, is to bridge that gap. And I see the predicament. I see the behavior. I see the patterns. But I go, let me help you to understand who you really are and why you're really hurting. And what that hurt feels like and what the pain in the body is showing you and the physical, the symptoms of pain, the symptoms of illness. Louise Hay said it. She was so good at knowing what those symptoms were. And I actually refer to her book, You Can Heal Your Life, because she knew that the physical symptoms, and this gets back to that Holy Trinity, the physical is only showing you the evidence of what is within. What I do is expose why are you having these symptoms? Why are you not able to do this? Why is this occurring in your life? So there's only love for the person. Genuine, genuine love. Okay, well, I know that um, I guess some people say that they always want to forgive someone or they're, they're, you know, something horrible happens and they forgive the person. I, 
I really don't want Spider to be like that. I don't care. I mean, I, I have a lot of people, maybe there are people listening that uh, they want to go beyond this. But I, I feel if somebody hurts your family, screw them. I, I don't care. I'm not going to give them that. Because I feel that we're all part of infinite consciousness. We're all going to go back through return to infinite consciousness. And, you know, eventually, you know, I, if I get a lower place in heaven or, or I don't get to heaven at all, I, I quite frankly don't care. I want to, you know, go about my life and protect my family. So... If you choose not to forgive, if you choose to not acknowledge a person who has wronged you, does that constrain you for future life incarnations? Are you going to be stuck with that? Because I'm thinking that there there could be a number of reasons why you could be stuck as a ghost after you die. Well beyond that, yeah. you could be you know addicted to certain something, and maybe you want to come back and you know be around people who drink or. Maybe you want to stick around a little while because you want you want to watch over your family. So, what are from your perspective? What are the ramifications as you have observed when you choose not to forgive someone who's wronged you and you just go about your life and you die? I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't affect the person or the perpetrator at all. Okay. Have you not noticed that Ryan? That when somebody hurts you, they they are not affected by it at all whatsoever. It is you that has an emotional response. An emotional response to something is the evidence that this triggered something within you. It's the iceberg effect of what you see above the surface on that little tip of that iceberg is a little. But what is hiding underneath is what it hits and knocks. And so let me, let me say it to you this way. I don't believe in karma in the way that people teach it. There is an immediate karma or there is, as some people want to say, life lessons that are going to be repeated. I have learned that it doesn't matter if you come back 500 lifetimes. Eventually, you are going to overcome that degree of separation of oneness and love and community and being able to embrace all beings and knowing that you're really one and there was no separation between you and the perpetrator anyway. What I do is teach people how to use the contrast of life, the dichotomies, the pain in order to heal. If somebody doesn't want that, Ryan, then they're not going to, they're not going to come to me. And I have no judgment of them. As a matter of fact, I look at them and say, namaste. I've literally bowed to people in public settings and said, namaste. We have gone as far as you will let us go with you. Let me go to someone else and assist them, and then they'll come back to me later, or they don't come back to me later. But it doesn't matter to God the way that he looks at it, source, is that you are going to walk. And so we don't get upset at our kids when they break their teeth or they knock a vase or they bruise themselves or they hurt themselves falling because we know that they're going to walk unless they decided to come in as a handicap. We know they're going to walk one day. Source looks at us with the same kind of genuine patience and love in that you're going to get it it doesn't matter to us how long you get it we know you're going to get it how can we be of service to you now so you get to choose and that's the brilliance of it you get to choose what you want to experience here what you want to overcome what you don't want to overcome and there is i'm sorry to bust up a lot of people's paradigm but the heaven and hell that christianity teaches us is not real the heaven or the hell is within. All right. So you, this is something positive. So this is wonderful. So basically, you do whatever you want. And you don't have to worry about going to hell, which is kind of cool. All right. So just get ready to create some crime. And you said something, 
thought it was interesting, that the perpetrator who puts hate upon you, they don't experience it. So, that being said, if somebody has done some things to you, I guess if you go out and you trip them up, then you kind of get some retaliation within the boundaries of the law. Is that is that wrong? Are you going to be okay? Can you? I mean, doesn't that kind of give people a pass to go out and say, "Look, you know, as long as you do not, you know, do something that will get you incarcerated for long periods of time, why not? Why not go out and do it? Because after all, there the actions that you perpetuate upon that person, that's their iceberg. That's what they're going to experience, not you. You're the perpetrator. You're the perpetrator. So, what do you think? What are your thoughts about that? Can we have oh, a pass to go out and get, and get some? Uh, Get some payback. Whatsoever you project comes back to you. But I thought you I said there's no I don't karma. Know how many of you. No, I'm saying there is immediate karma in this lifetime. There is. And that whatsoever you project to others, if you if you send out love and you are good to people, then that's what you're going to get back. If you and I, I can give you a really good example of this, actually. Okay. I can give you one that most of your people that are going to listen to this recording have never experienced in their lives. So this book, The Inmate and the Medium, I meet because of Phil, the guy that is the inmate. I meet someone who is pretending, like Bernie Madoff, pretending and very good at manipulating even me, showing me signs, giving me the evidence, showing me all of these signs and who the senator is that he's trying to help to get Phil out of prison and the wheelchair that Phil had invented and getting the investors. He's showing me all of these things, and he asked me to invest with him. What he was trying to do was actually steal from me. He saw someone that was very innocent, very loving, willing to assist, and he went, and I knew, I knew he's going to ask you for money for an investment. This came to me one day. I knew the exact amount. This happened three times. Because of this, Ryan, I ended up, because of the three times that I invested the exact amount of money that I knew he was going to ask for, because I in faith believed that this was my lot, this is what I was supposed to do, this was going to have a return for me. I could put him in prison, in federal prison. He's in prison right this minute for doing this to other people. This is his second strike. The three-strike rule with me going after him would keep him in prison for the rest of his life. I will tell you what I did. I became homeless because of him. Not only was I homeless, but I became in debt because of him. And what I chose to do with it was to figure out what I could learn, how I could overcome it, how I could stop focusing and being fixated on the perpetrator and the person who had hurt me so bad and decide that I was going to do something good with what he did. I got to choose. Am I going to be homeless? Am I going to live as a homeless person? Am I going to be in fear because this happened to me? Or am I going to overcome it? These are the things that all of us have to do. Every single one of us get hurt. Every single one of us get slapped on and stomped on and hurt and betrayed. And we came to experience these things. So why do we get so surprised when it happens? This was a big thing to overcome. And, Ryan, there was a point where I was asking God or source. I said, what is my service to him? Is my service to him 
to go after him and put him in prison the third time, which he'll, he'll die in there. And it was illegal what he did, and he sold everything that I had. Or is the reason that this occurred for me to overcome the world economic system, is it for a higher purpose for me? And I chose to ask, what's my service? And I heard, he doesn't care. He's not hurt that he did this to you. He's not hurt that he did it to anybody. This is some of the things that I'm talking about. The people that have hurt you the most, and when you're fixated on their pain and their hurt, you're the one thinking about it. They're not. They played a role in your life, and literally, if I so saw this guy right so now. This thing perpetuated came back on him, so I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to say, I'm going to say I have to say respectfully disagree one way because I think a lot of people have done a lot of shitty things uh, to me, and I'm sure people out there have had people who have done shitty things to them, and they seem to be doing just great. And I, I just want to know, um, I guess, is that how does the check and balance, theoretically speaking, work? If you don't experience it in this time, do you experience it when you die? Do you experience all the uh, the sins and acts of love and hate that you've perpetuated upon someone when you die if you don't get it physically experienced in this lifetime? I will tell you from doing a lot of past life regressions, Ryan, that we play a lot of different roles in a lot of different lifetimes. Um, you remember the movie, I think it's called Apollo with Tom Cruise and, and um, um, goodness, I forget her name is the actress, but it, it's playing different roles. We come in to learn specific things. What I'm saying is that the pain and the conflict within oneself of being betrayed or used or abused in any way is up to us individually as to how much it affects us. I will tell you that some people come in like Bernie Madoff, like this guy that did this to me that was very much the same energy as Bernie Madoff. That may be their role in our lives. That was one of the things I was going to say. If I saw him in this lifetime, I'd actually give him a high five and say, boy, you did it. You played that role perfectly. I paid you a lot of money to play that role. Let me show you what I did with it. Let me show you who I am now. But I will will never meet this guy in person again. He's in prison and most likely will get out and will either die or he'll do this to somebody else. And they have a contract with him to experience this. Now, when I say that I, I'm talking about the I, I'm talking about your listeners. When you are the one that has been hurt, it is important that you decide what you're going to do with that hurt. You can be a victim and cry and gripe and complain and make excuses for why you're not better or why your life isn't better, but I will tell you that perpetrator is long gone and is doing something else whether it is good or bad or indifferent, as we want to always judge things or not, that person is fulfilling their role in other people's lives, just like he fulfilled a role in mine. I'm actually grateful for the experience because what I learned is far greater than the money that he took. It was a choice that I made, Ryan. I could be mad at him. I could let it you know, crucify me for the rest of my life. I could live in pain and sorrow. I could be a victim. I could not stand up and walk. That was my choosing. But I know that he played a role for me, not against me, but it was against me until I forgave, until I decided I was going to use it differently. Um, so you mentioned this idea of the contracts. People come in, they, they play a role, kind of like actors. What if 
on, like the sets of some films, you decide you want to change actors. You want to change the script. You want to rewrite. You want to put your life in a different trajectory. How do you do that? Can you do that? Can you just say, look, uh, we need to have a meeting. I was supposed to have a life where everything sucked and I was miserable. But due to a, series, due to a creative differences, I'm going to have a life of awesomeness. And men and women will, will praise me. And I will be carried on their shoulders, and uh, you know, basically, it's going to bring money. How do we change that? How can we? Is it possible to change that? I can tell you one miracle after another, not just with me, but with my clients. That once you change your mind about something, once you get free, once you have a different change of heart, once you get rid of the thing that is clogging you or has the resistance energy in you. You can do the very things that you want to do. Would you like an example of that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So this lady is giving me permission to say her name. I was in the village of Florida, and she came to see me for a session. When she came in and sat down, I said, you came here to talk to me about your career. And she looked at me and started tearing up. And I said, you want to be a very well-known, famous professional dog groomer in Manhattan that doesn't make sense to me because you live in the villages she said oh well it does because I am a dog groomer in Manhattan she said and I live there three weeks with my boyfriend and I live three weeks near my parents in the villages she said that I'm not really getting the clients and I'm not really able I'm not known and I said but that's not the fullness of it you want to only breed one dog one breed and she said yes I said you only want to groom a lab and she said, yes. And I'm thinking to myself, Ryan, what is there to groom in a lab? I mean, what are you going to do, cut their toenails? You're going to clean their ears? I mean, you don't have to cut their hair. And I heard Tammy go back to what she wishes. I said, so you really want to be a professional, very well-known, famous lab dog groomer in Manhattan. And the weeks that you're up there, you want to make so much money that you don't even have to worry about money. You want to be so booked at your book for months. And she said, exactly. And I said, okay, let me go in. Let me find out where this started for you. And I said, I'm sorry that I'm suddenly seeing a, a picture. I'm actually hovering in the room. I'm remotely viewing um, a little girl coloring. She looks like she's four years old. And I said, she has a pinafore dress, the dress with a pinafore on it. And I was describing it. She told me later that this was actually her favorite dress. And I looked at her and I said, your hair is curly. Are you straighten your hair some? And she looked at me in surprise. She's crying. And I said, and you put a little bit of red in your hair now. Your hair is completely black. And so she said, that's me. And I said, well, let me find out why I'm viewing you as a four-year-old coloring. Because this seems benign. It seems innocent. And I said, oh, my. The girl to your left is a dark-headed little girl. She's also in a dress. And she's a bully. And every single day of your life, she grabbed the box of crayons. She gave you a flesh-colored crayon every day. She would not let you have color in the box. And she removed the box. I said, I'm seeing her move the box on the other side of her left arm, which is the furthest from you. Every day she treated you like that. And in that instant, you believed that you could not live in color. And I said, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I'm actually seeing your den. You're in a condo. You're not in a house. And she looked at me with surprise and said, you're seeing my den? I said, yeah, and there's no color. 
And I said, and they're showing me your closet, and there's no color in your wardrobe. And she's crying. She said, you're right. I never realized this. I never realized that my whole life has really been colorless. And I said, let's talk to the bully. We actually talked to the bully and told her what this did to Margaret. We helped her to be able to express herself, to be able to get the pain of it out of her, and then to forgive her. And guess what? Margaret is a very famous, overbooked, lab dog groomer in Manhattan making lots of money. So the evidence that you can change your perception, and let me tell you how this works, once you get healing or you overcome something, you will never have that issue again. It miraculously disappears. Once I overcame the financial issues that I have had all of my life, I have never once been close to falling off of that cliff again. Once you overcome it, the the school curriculum of you having to experience over and over again goes away. So yes, miracles do happen. Yes, you do not have to experience certain things in life again. That's pretty awesome. It's very positive. Good. All right. That's yeah. a very, very good lesson. Thank you for uh, for sharing it with us. What are the? I want to take it back to something that you said earlier. About eleven years old, you had this major opening with God. You talked about Jesus, and yeah. all of a sudden, this energy, this great awakening came in. Have you had other experiences like that? Have you said other names of other great teachers, such as uh, you know, some of the Hindu gods, or you know, some of the people in Taoism, Buddhism? where you've said their names, you focus your energy, and you've had another influx or another major download that affected you as greatly as you did when you were 11 years old. Oh, goodness. Uh, how many how many stories do you want? I'll tell you about studying Transcendental Meditation, which I was not interested in, but my best friend Robin was adamant that I needed to meet Prudy Farrow, who is Mia Farrow's sister. She is a very famous Transcendental Meditation teacher, and Robin had gone to her, and I ended up going ahead and doing the thing for five days, and I, I promised her that I would practice this at least for a while. I'm very open to, and because my concept of God is not in the religious context of there's only one man, it is all oneness. It's a complete connection where everyone is one, everyone is equal. So the Buddhas, the Jesus, the you know all of these, all of these people that are so famous that have been striking figures are all the same to me. So I'm sitting on a plane after leaving Prudy. I I got the initiation. I'm describing to her exactly what I am experiencing during the initiation, and she told me she said, Tammy, I've I've heard other people talk about people who've talked about this, but you are the first one to describe it in person right as it's happening, and everything that you are saying is completely accurate with what these other people have said that people have said. So I left them sitting on the plane, and I thought, okay, we're waiting to take off. I'm just going to go in. I'm going to go under, as transcendental meditation people say it, and guess who appeared to me? Um, The Maharishi. He appeared to me, and he was giggling. And I didn't know at the time that he was called the laughing prophet because he giggled all the time. And he spoke to me. When I have masters and teachers that I don't even know who they are, I want to bow, Ryan. I want 
I don't feel worthy. A lot of times I've learned not to bow because I'm rebuked when I do that. I say, look, you're the guys down here being brave enough to come here. So teachers and masters will come in to me. I see them. I feel them. I don't even smell in the physical realm, but I will smell them. And the Maharishi took me to another level of consciousness where I saw human beings as sounds, symbols, colors, and the way that they were moving in consciousness. And I was seeing these lines, and they were fluctuating, and they were ever-changing. And I said, why are the lines changing if you're telling me these are human beings? They're symbols, they're signs, they're color, they're sounds. I said, this is extraordinary. I didn't want to leave, Ryan. I really didn't want to leave because the beauty of witnessing this, of getting this, this inner information. So I will often play with people like this, masters that come in and say, okay, all right, here's the deal. If you say that we are a sound, then prove this to me. Give me evidence of this in the physical realm. Guess what? Two days later, I am at a drum-making class with my sister in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I hear these people say, we're going to let you hear something. We're going to tell you what it is. Astronauts have just, and NASA has just released to a few people. I don't even know how they got it because it wasn't public yet. And they said, this is the sound of mankind. I'm crying, Ryan, immediately because I knew that my challenging of the non-physical being in front of me and saying, all right, show me this in physical. Let me hear this. I'm doing, I can't even speak. I'm just weeping. So even though these beings are non-physical, they care so much about you. They care so much about what you need, what you want, what you, what evidence you want. They don't care. They're not threatened by that. They really want to help. And so there's no differentiation to me between what master comes forward and what doesn't. I can tell the difference in the energy and how much more. There's a hierarchy. There's a level of growth and involvement. And some people say, I want to talk to my angel. And I'm like, why don't you talk to the master of the master of the master of of your angel? Why don't we go to that level? You want to talk to the angels? There's There's levels beyond that. Where do you want to go? If you just want to talk to your angel, we'll let you do that. If you want to talk to the masters and the the ones, the masters above that, there's no end to the learning. So you, you, have access, the you have access to all these different masters. Yes. And they come in randomly. Ryan, I don't summon them in. I don't ask for them to come in. Sometimes I have to say, who are you? And they'll give me their name. And they'll tell me who they are and what their function is. Just like an entity does that is stuck, very much like the Sixth Sense movie, I am Whoopi Goldberg, and they come to me. And they tell me information. I ask them, what happened to you? Why is this going on in your life? Let me help you to cross over or to choose whether or not you're going to cross over. And I guide people to the light constantly, but I let them choose. I'm very respectful. And I learned when I was at a Robert Monroe Institute training that the different levels of consciousness that the Monroe Institute and Robert Monroe specifically was able to go to was extraordinary. And what helped me was I started asking um, the lady that was doing the training. She was a medium herself, and, and she told the class, you know, i got to stop this because I'm really hurting one of the classmates because she says that mankind usually stays at a consciousness level of one and two, 
A psychic will go between five and six, a medium usually between seven and eight. And she said, unfortunately, Tammy starts at 11. I thought she was talking about somebody else in the class. I just knew that I was lethargic. Yeah, I didn't say what you mean, could... like, levels. Is it, is it a matter of perception or is it a matter of light? You can I don't, I don't find that level. Well, you would have to read Robert Monroe's uh, material in his books. He's got three books in order to understand the fullness of this. But he says that there are lots of layers of consciousness that the brain and the mind can actually go to. What I describe to people in my own life is to say, I'm not special. I'm not gifted. I know you may want to think that of me, but I am just the evidence of the capacity of the brain to go to different levels of consciousness or abilities you know, the movie Lucy where she said, hey, the pen is over there on your right desk. Pick it up. You wouldn't believe how often I do that. And the capacity of the Oh, you can do tele- brain, telekinesis? Oh, no, I don't move the pen, but I tell people where they are. And what I learned in this training was that people who are stuck, people who were not evolved, people who did not cross over to the light and are lost are on consciousness level 24 and 25. And somehow I'm able to tap into that and communicate with them. They'll actually appear right before me. They'll, I, I'll see what they look like. Sometimes it looks like an apparition. Sometimes I get, you know, very detailed. Sometimes I'll just see them from the chest up because whatever the client needs is the information that I'm going to be able to describe. Right. It's I, different every time, Brian. It's never the same. Tammy, I'm going to let you know. So actually, I'm going to let our listeners know that um, as soon as I'm dead, I am not going into the light. I am going to be haunting people. <laughs> and I'll tell you why, because it's, it's fun. Because I do not like watching horror movies. My wife's like, come on, let's watch a horror movie. And I'll watch for five seconds, and I'll be sleeping with my, my pink blanket for the rest of the night. She goes, you're such a wussy. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm tired of that. I am tired of being scared, and I want to be the ghost. And I think it would be kind of fun. <laughs> so... Well, you actually do that, Ryan, but you may eventually find me and say, I need some help. I'm tired of this. I've gotten bored. No, no, I'm going to be sticking around. So, look, if you, if anyone listening, and they, they're talking to Tammy, and they're talking to another medium, and they say, well, um, ooh, Ryan, the ghost is around you, I am not going to the light. You are going to move. That is my house. I'm claiming your house. Don't try to stage to get me well. out. That doesn't work for me. I know. I, I stage myself. I've developed an immunity to stage. I stage a lot so I can develop an immunity so I become a ghost. Stage will not work on me. So I just want to let everyone know that because I want to keep the show very positive going forward. Um, <laughs> I hate to bust up your paradigm, but it's not about the stage anyway. It's about the intention Good energy. Intention? And I'm going to tell you something. If you want to be an entity, that you will be. And I say a fun entity, though. I don't want to be an evil entity. I don't want to. I don't want to scare people. I kind of want to. Well, an entity is an energy. An entity is. There's not negative or positive. It's just an entity. Someone who is is uh, trapped in between the light and. So what you're saying, Ryan, is you don't care if you come into another lifetime. No, oh, no, I'm done. I'm, I'm actually, after this one, I'm going to be the ghost, and then I'm going into source, and then I'm never coming back. Forget about this. Human life, human evolution, way, way too much. I got myself in way over my head with this one. I'm just, I, I, I'll be, if I walk out of here, and I am half insane, it'll be a major, major accomplishment. I think people are insane to incarnate as a human being, especially right now. I, I think you have, oh, to be, yeah. you have to be metaphysically insane 
to come in here. I don't care what the lesson is. You can learn it on, on the virtual video game in the spirit world in the Akashic Records. To come here and experience it the first time, I think it's an act of insanity. It, it actually is, but only the mind is sick and only the mind can be healed. This is the ACIM material. So let me tell you something about you, Ryan, that I, I, I absolutely love. You're an instigator. Instigator? And I love that about you. Uh, my sis, my sister will disagree, though. <laughs> Disagree. You are an instigator. You like toying and playing and instigating and yes. poking and prodding. And I love that about you. I just well, want I, I just want to let you know that. I love it. Thank you. I just I, I I look at this world, I think it's crazy and you know, I figure that if we're gonna be on the ship and the whole world's gonna go down like the Titanic, let's enjoy ourselves while it's going down. Why take life so seriously? If the world's gonna be a chaos, why not just enjoy it? Uh you know, try to put some peace out there. But um Tammy, what are three – the last question I have for you is what are three things that a person can do to maximize and speed up their evolution from your perspective? First of all, know thyself. Okay. You know, most people, Ryan, are walking around, don't even know what their personality traits are. They don't know themselves. They don't know how they feel about things. They don't even know what color stimulates them or what friendships. I'm actually writing a book about that right now or a book proposal about it right now. And it's about self-identification. Knowing oneself is the number one way. And then there's a class that I teach called how to how you communicate naturally through the five senses. You know, smelling, tasting, hearing, seeing, and feeling. If you knew, even from your five senses, if you knew how you naturally pick up information or know things, then that would escalate your journey. Then the the second thing that I would say is start asking questions to whoever it is you want to pray to and say, I want to know the truth. I don't I don't want this brainwashing. I want to know the truth. What is the truth? This is what I did in the church. I started seeing it as a, a critical care unit. And I said, God, everybody here doesn't know that they're they're in a hospital bed, and I want to get well enough to walk out of here. And I started asking God, what if everything I've been taught is wrong? What if none of this is really true? Did you know that there wasn't even the concept of hell until the 1300s? Somebody introduced it, and now Christianity is saying, oh, there's a hell. You're going to be punished. But it's not true. Three is really to start asking what, how, putting those two together. What do I feel when I think about doing this thing? And start to use your inner guidance system because each of you have an inner guidance system, but people aren't really teaching that in a way that is cohesive. What I see a lot of teachers doing, and they're wonderful teachers, is they're, they're teaching the concepts of think a better feeling thought or look at your life this way or be positive. But the gap and the, the, the missing element is the people are not in the position to be able to see the world that way. So they have to pay attention to themselves. They have to start looking for the truth and wanting to know what's really truth versus what I have always been told. And then putting the two together and starting to learn how to use their inner guidance system to feel. You know, it's interesting to me that I've found that most people who have had crimes committed against them, including me, had some kind of quickening. I shouldn't go in this alleyway. I shouldn't walk to my car right now. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't leave my sunglasses. I shouldn't lay them there in this lady's restroom because 
I'm going to forget them. We hear or we feel these these promptings. That's your guides. That's your angels. That's your inner guidance system. So I know that's a lot that I just said, but oh, that's yeah, my awesome. answer. It's awesome. We actually have one more uh, bonus question, and the bonus question is that you talk about God, the experience with God. Apparently, God loves everyone. Do you think that by God loving everyone, that it is bad PR for God? doesn't make God completely relatable. But I think it's really bad PR. I think God should seriously like, pick and choose a small group of beings and not like them, because I think God would be much more relatable. I think God would get more respect, because if God flat out said, listen... I think everyone's cool, except for people who harm animals and who, who like do stuff to kids. And I think if God flat out said that, I almost feel like God would get a lot more people like thinking God was cool. I just want to know what your thoughts were on that. No, I, I really understand why you say this, Ryan, and I understand why you have that perception about it. But when you really get to the deeper levels and some of the teachings and understanding that I've been given – it's very similar to the movie The Shack. It really is. I don't know if your listeners have watched that movie, but the way that God looks at us is you get to choose. You get to choose. That makes him relatable. He's actually saying you get to choose what your experience is. He's actually very respectful okay. of what that choosing is. But you say it as a him, but I want to feel, why is it a him? Because, I mean, women are the ones that uh, that create kids. The, the, they're the ones that go through the guys. They're just the ones that sit there and, you know, check their phones while the woman's going, oh, my God, I'm in labor. And they're just checking sports. So uh, isn't, isn't God more of a – isn't God more of a she, the creator? It, it, it really isn't a gender, but sometimes I will say him. Okay. Sometimes I will say her in order to relate to people's concept of God. You know, when you're talking to the general public, client, then you have to use terms that are very relatable to them instead of what you know. If I really spoke in the language and the information that I truly know, I don't know that I could be relatable to people, so I have to give examples. What you're saying is that if God really judged or he condemned a certain breed of people or a certain type of people or whatever, it would be easier for you. But I want to tell you something. He doesn't. He, it, she, shim, that oneness does not have judgment, is not capable of judgment. So this idea of God forgives me is erroneous because you're already forgiven. So at the age of 21, and just see how this feels to you. At the age of 20 and 21, I'm already teaching in churches. I'm traveling. I'm singing. I'm taking over services in every single church that I went into. And a lot of these were mega churches, Ryan. At a young age, I'm doing this. I'm confounding them. I'm saying things from the pulpit that, that people are like, I've, I've never, I've never understood. I've never heard that before. And I'm most uncomfortable with you too. But I would go into the pastor's office or I would be on the phone with them and I would say, I have a question for you. And they would say, yeah. And I'd say, okay. So God is omniscient. He knows everything. Yes. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere at one time. Yes. He's Yahweh. Yes. He's Jehovah. Yes, Jamie. And they're getting real excited because they know that I've done some some kind of study. And I said, he's creator. Yes. I said, okay, then help me with this. If God created me and it is impossible, impossible for me to be perfect, then he, as the creator, 
why would he create a hell to torment and punish me in forever and ever? And did you know, Brian, I never got an answer? Does that even make sense to you? That if we believe that he created us, that he would punish us and we can't be perfect? I think about being perfect. It's kind of, I would call it extreme rehab. Extreme (laughs) rehab. Miss Tammy Demirza, professional intuitive and best-selling author. You can learn more about this. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. I thought you had a lot of great insight, great information, great energy. So thank you for being with us today. You can learn more about Miss Demirza by going to her website at Tammy Demirza, D-E-M-I-R-Z-A dot com. On her site, you can learn more about her work, services, her books. She's got a YouTube channel. You can also contact her for a reading. Mr. Mirza, great pleasure. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Ryan. It was great to be with you. Okay, everyone. That concludes today's edition of the Adelotes of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our amazing guest, Ms. Tammy Demirza. And special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Ms. Carrie O'Connor, Ms. Lisa Caza, and Ms. Constance Dallas. To learn more about the Adelotes of Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website, at OutOfLimitsRadio.com So the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and fears. Take care and thank you so much for listening. Well, we're on the cusp of that magical time of year again. You know, that uh, magical time of year where they play commercials and say, eh, you gotta go out. If you love someone, buy them a toaster. Buy them this piece of crap. Show them you love them for Christmas by buying them this piece of crap. Here's an idea. Instead of getting someone you love a piece of crap for Christmas this year, why not get them a reading with Miss Lisa Caza, Miss Constance Tellis, or Miss Carrie O'Connor from the Out of Love Seven Truth Radio Show? Give them the gift of insight into themselves, because they're going to return whatever piece of crap you buy them. They don't. They're not excited with the gift you're giving them. No one is. No one likes their presence. They just smile for the cameras and say, hey, "They're lying." You give them the gift of a psychic reading with Miss Carrie O'Connor. You learn more about her by going to her website at CarrieO'Connor.com. Carrie can read auras. She can look into your field, communicate with the dead. I mean, communicating with the dead over a piece of crap present you're going to give that they're going to return anyway, that's a much better deal. You can get them a reading with Miss Lisa Casa, a psychic empath, amazing, direct to the point. She'll provide insight on a person who's trying to find a job, trying to find romance in their life. That's a great, great gift. Or you can get them a reading with Miss Lisa, with Miss Constantellas, the Astro Phenom. Get their charts done. Find out what 2018 is going to bring for them. I'm telling you, you get them a reading with either one of these uh, amazing ladies from the Outer Limits of Energy Radio Show, and they're going to be happy. No joke, no return, nothing. Get the greatest gift you can. A reading with these individuals, and forego the piece of crap this year. 